As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. It's not about me I'm only here for a minute And I know that I can't fix it I can help even just a little bit won't you let me try? Hello, welcome to our Lads and Powers. This podcast is brought to you by Direct TV Stream. Get your TV together with the best of live and on demand. Learn more at directtv.com. This is Scott Powers of The Athletic with Mark Lazarus of The Athletic. We're uh, we're back here for uh, another Lads and Powers. Mark, hello. How you doing, Scott? How'd that red eye treat you? Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm feeling a little bit today. I got a little bit of a nap in this morning and um but yeah, it, it hasn't added up to enough sleep just yet, but I'm sure I'll sleep well tonight. I'm always torn on red eyes. Like I, I have a red eye scheduled coming back from Vegas from All-Star Weekend because it's a day game out west, and it seems silly to spend a whole extra night in Vegas because the problem is when you're flying out west, you got to make that decision, right? Because either you blow a whole nother day because you leave at like 9 in the morning and you land at r- evening rush hour, and that whole day's shot. Or you fly overnight and then your whole day shot anyway because you're just a walking zombie the rest of the day. I can I can never decide if I like a red eye or not. Yeah, last night would have been perfect if there was uh the flight like I was done by seven I was done by like six PM. Like I, I could have used like an eight or nine o'clock flight and it would have got me home at the perfect time, but there was no there just wasn't anything available. Well so even was, that you would you would have gotten home at like three AM though. That's not really ideal either. <laughs> yeah, but it was better than getting home at six AM, so whatever, five thirty AM. So um but yeah, no, it's it was uh yeah, it I was, I was good. I was here this morning, helped out with the kids, and got a little nap in now, and, and I'm all ready to, ready to podcast. No, I got my uh, eight hours, so I'm ready to go. Yeah, fuck you. Um, <laughs> uh, I guess we're talking hockey. I, I <laughs> Yeah, it's still going on. We're, all, we're almost halfway. Can you believe we are almost halfway through with this season? It feels like this season has been 300 months old. Yeah, and we like are be like just sixty games in, inching along to the halfway point. Like I think October and November took years off our lives. 
it, it's odd because it's like you want to like even now like calling sources about trade deadline stuff and everyone's like well it's it's sort of early still you know and it, <laughs> it doesn't feel that way you know like the deadline's not until what march, march it's 24th? two months from this week it's like at the end of this week it'll be two months yeah yeah like it's it's so far away uh, march 21st I, I forget it's it's, it's, yeah, late it's march, march 21st yeah and, and yeah. there has and that's because you know everything's pushed back with the olympic break which is not even going to be a break anymore it's sounds like the olympic break is going to be jam-packed with three and four three and four all of them trying to get these games in so they don't have to extend the season beyond june uh it's going to get real busy here in a hurry but uh it does it really feels like this season has just just plodding along and maybe that's because the blackhawks are just plodding along themselves they're just kind of there they're not really good they're not really awful anymore they're just kind of there and that's like the worst kind of season to have as a as a fan as a writer as a player you're just Kind of going through the motions almost. Yeah, because it, it, it looked like when they had that losing streak going on, and then you know everything fell apart, and it was the Arizona loss. It was like, wow, the, you know, this could really turn horribly quick. And now they've turned it the other way, where it's like, ah. Uh, and then you look at the standings, like, wow, they're still they're still like six teams ahead of them. And like, well, yeah, it's so like, oh, they're only three points done. behind Dallas. Oh wait, they have seventy four games in hand in Dallas. Never mind. Yeah. So yeah, like it's like they'd have to put together something really special to. Um, yeah, to, to get back in this, and and I and I think Kyle Davidson has to start making some decisions on what what he's going to do here, and um and and yeah, it'll, it'll be interesting here in the coming weeks, and 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 just what I guess what what direction you know I think I think that, you know we'll get in Lucas Reichel, but I mean if the Blackhawks had any intention of winning right now or or the present was important, I think Lucas Reichel would be on this team. Like I think there's no yeah. doubt that Lucas Reichel makes this team better. You know, like. Um, he's not a superstar right now, but like he he added an element. Like they were creating chances and they were winning games with him in the ice, and he was playing on the top line center. And um, as much as Derek King says that's you know anyone anyone can play between those two, you know, like it's it's not even Alex Debrinkin and Kane right now. But um, Lucas Reichel looked like he was like he fit there, and 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 for the you know the, the Kyle Davidson's credit, and I wrote about today a little bit just. Like they're gonna stick to the plan, and and I think they're gonna do everything they can to keep him under ten games and have that, and have that contract slide a year and um and, and focus and, on and that's the hard future. to do when you're when you're an interim GM who's theoretically general managing for his job. It's hard to play that long game. I mean that's that shows a confidence and a, a, a savviness in in Davidson that he's not making knee jerk moves in an effort to make him look better. Like he's playing the long game. I think he knows he's going to be with this team long term, regardless of whether he's the GM or not. And uh, he's making all he's making a smart move in that situation. Like, yeah, it is it is appetizing to keep Lucas Reichel up here, especially when Henrik Borgstrom has been your number one center for the better part of the last few weeks. I mean, that's just I mean, I know that uh, with Dylan Strom and Kirby Doc and protocol, that's part of the reason. But the fact of the matter is Henrik Borgstrom was your number one center last night. Uh, so it, it, it says something about Davidson that he's willing to do the right thing, even if it potentially hurts his own case. And and the right thing is it. It's it's the right thing for the organization. I, I'm still not convinced like it's entirely the right thing for developmental. You know, like I, I think I think Lucas like he went down and he had two more points in Rockford yesterday. And then there's sure there's things he can learn, but like playing at the NHL level right now, I, I think there would be benefit to that too. You know, I, I think having some ups and downs and um, some successes and some failures certainly would would help him in the NHL. So I don't. I, I think this is what's best for the organization. I, I don't think it's going to be a detriment, like a massive detriment to Lucas Reichel's development, but but I do think he'd be better off playing now, or, or at least getting a larger taste of that NHL just than two games. You know, like you, um, and, and at some point, I mean, I, I assume they're going to stretch it out. They just they just want to make sure that he's not, uh, you know, like he it gets to a point where he, he's playing. You know, he has to play more than ten games. So I I assume he gets another stretch here, but. 
Um, but yeah, this is what's you know when you when you look at the long term picture that having Lucas Reichel's contract slide a year certainly makes a lot of sense for them organizationally at least. Yeah, I mean, like you said, if it's not going to severely hamper his 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 development, then it's absolutely the right call. He should just they should take that contract, let it slide another year because they are a couple of years out still. So why would you waste like the most precious commodity in the NHL is a very good player on an entry level deal. Uh, that's how you make the salary cap work when you have also have superstars on the team. So uh, pushing that back a year is it's it's just a no brainer to me. But it's interesting because I feel like we've gone through this conversation a bunch of times over the years of you know ever since Artem Anisimov of all people stopped being Patrick Kane's center. We're looking for some speedy center that can kind of like barrel through the neutral zone and create space and time for Patrick Kane. And, you know, we said it with Nick Schmaltz and Kane loved playing with Nick Schmaltz because Schmaltz did have that speed, but it didn't really stick. And then we said it with Kirby Doc. Well, Kirby Doc doesn't have the speed, but he's got the size and he's got the the, the brains, but he doesn't have the finishing ability, it turned out. So now we're up to Lucas Reichel. Oh, maybe this is the long-term senator for Patrick Kane. Um, it, it, it's difficult. We always talk, it's difficult to be Patrick Kane center. It's easy and hard at the same time. Like Artem Anisimov, what did he do? He literally just ran through the neutral zone, set, set up shop in front of the crease and let Patrick Kane bounce pucks off of him. Sometimes it's that easy. But to to maximize Patrick Kane, you really need to have the speed, the skill, and more than anything, the creativity to keep up with him. That's what Debrink is able to do when he's on that line. But you need a center who can kind of click with that too. Like Anisimov was a good complement to Panarin and Kane. They're still looking for the bright complement to Debrink it and Kane. And I don't think it's going to be an Anisimov type guy, which is, well, let's face it, might be what Kirby Doc kind of is, a 20-25 goal tops guy. I wonder, you know, like, I get why that they stepped away from Pia Suter, but maybe they overthought it too. Like, uh, I get paying him, uh, you know, what they what he was going to make in arbitration or what he was asking probably wasn't what they wanted, but but would have made it more sense because you had someone that ideally fit between DeBrinken and Kane, or you know, that played well in that in that certain role. Like he's so good around the net, like that's where you know that's where he had all his success in, in Switzerland, and he, and he was good at that. And I get that he's not. He's not the guy you want to be paying, you know, big bucks considering, you know, like, we're, we're, you know, they're, they're probably up against the cap again at some point here. But, yeah, I just it, it seemed like he fit what they needed, you know, like he was good around the net. He got them pucks back and, um, you know, like he earned his money because he got a chance to play with those guys. And, and that wasn't the role that they anticipated him. But now that you've seen that Kirby Doc hasn't taken that next step and and Jonathan Taves probably isn't the ideal center for Kane anymore that. You know, Suter made it made a lot of sense where you you have some you have some depth at center, but not guys that you know that fit and 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 I'm sure the Blackhawks are still hoping that Kirby Doc's the guy, but um, but for even Reichel to come in and have like I mean, he had a number of scoring chances and 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 we see those you know we see Doc get chances too, and he just he hasn't yeah I don't know for for Reichel to even you know like he's putting up points now in the AHL that. Um, yeah, I don't know if, I, I don't know if, I don't think he's, I, I don't want to say he's a better prospect than the doc at this point, but he, like, he may be more off offensive, you know, prospect the, ceil- the ceiling could theoretically, we, I mean, we've seen three years of Kirby doc. I, it feels like the ceiling could be higher for Reichel. I think that's the way to couch it. Yeah. And, and that's, and that's the odd part because it, it felt, and I, I think we even agreed coming into the season, like, oh, you know, like if doc could look like what he did going into the world juniors before he got hurt, like, it seemed like he was. You know, like he was really building momentum to something, and not that he's, you know, like he he played well in the bubble, and there there were signs of of him taking those steps, but he had such a confidence, and it, yeah, I don't know, it just it seems to be so, 
hit or miss with with him at times. You know, like, honestly, with wrist injuries, we've seen this with Clyde. I mean, I, I remember thinking back to like uh, like Marcus Kruger. Like he wasn't himself for like a year and a half after he broke his wrist. That's a tough thing for a hockey player to overcome. You know, there, there's a, there, it's always in the back of your mind. Every face-off you take, every shot you take, every slash you get slashed, uh, you're, you're thinking about that wrist. It takes a long time to feel 100% with a wrist. It's not like a, you know, a broken ankle or something that just kind of heals. Like the wrist is a, it's a, it's a dicey kind of injury. And it's interesting to see just how much that seems to have set Kirby Doc back. Because like you said, remember, remember that training camp going into the bubble, he looked like a new man and he was crazy good looking in, uh, in, uh, uh, in camp. And then he played really well in the, in, against the Oilers. And we're all thinking, oh, he's taking that next step. This is it. And then bam, breaks his wrist, loses basically a whole year of development, a whole season of development. Probably came back too early. Didn't really hurt him, but it didn't help him. And now we're kind of stuck in the mud a little bit with him. And, you know, with Ruth Reichel, he's got, he's only a year and a half younger than Doc at this point, he's, but it's kind of a fresh start and a new template to put, you know, project all the team's hopes and dreams onto. Cause really there's, if it's not Doc and it's not Reichel, good God, there, there's nobody coming. Yeah. And, and it, I, I don't want to put it like, uh, like Doc is still, I mean, what he just turned. 21 here yeah no but, he's going to be a good player in this league for a long yeah. time the question is can so, like, he I, be a true number one center yeah and and i'm sure the hope was i'm not sure what stan bowman's hope was that henrik borgstrom would fit in this mix too and and <laughs> and, and and maybe he does maybe he's the third you know like that third center or something that fits but yeah borgstrom hasn't exactly clicked how they thought with that with that trade and um i was even thinking you know like when, when galvis looked really good you know like i think and i knew they're going to put jake mckay back in and seth jones comes back in but um, and, and I get all those guys have seniority, but the Blackhawks were looking pretty good with Galvis in the lineup yeah. and Reichel in the lineup. And I didn't like that Derek King argument about like out of respect for the old, what is Caleb Jones? Like Caleb Jones could be a good player. He's got some skill, but like, what has he done to earn that respect over a Jakob Galvis? It doesn't, I don't, I don't necessarily see that. Yeah, no. It, and Caleb Jones had some troubles y- yeah. yesterday too, just passing the puck away. And so, yeah, I'm curious. And, and you know, Seth Jones will be back here in the lineup and, I, I do wonder, like, if there's a tough conversation I have with Caleb Jones at some point after the season or something, like, I, I know that they, I'm sure that they, it's bringing Seth Jones in, there was some thought, you know, let's bring in his brother and this works, and yeah. if it doesn't work, I'm sure the Black, like, the he Black shows have a lot of depth, a lot of depth of defense. Yeah, know? they've got a ton of guys in the system, you know, you know, Galvis wasn't even a guy that a lot of us were thinking about going in, and now he's in the mix, and um, the thing about Caleb Jones is I like a lot about his game, like, when he's active, he is just shot, 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 just firing away. And that's something the Blackhawks haven't really had a lot of in, in recent years, and they need more of that. They need just more action from the back end to create some action in front of the net. So there's, I, I like some of Cal- Caleb Jones's game, but he's got to earn it. He's got to, yeah. you know, he has not entrenched himself in the top six of this team by any stretch, and there's no reason that a rookie can't displace him at the moment. There's no reason Caleb Jones can't be in Rockford if need be. He's only 23 years old. There's still potential there. He's still got skill, but he hasn't, "Quote unquote earned anything over just about anybody else like Seth Jones, okay, yeah, you know, Cal- uh, Calvin DeHaan and, and and Jake McCabe and Connor Murphy, sure, but those other two spots, you know, whether it's Eric Gustafson who did made a fantastic play last night in Seattle, um, he's just kind of reminder of what he can do when he's on his game, yeah, uh, uh, it, it, all these other guys like Riley Stillman's been playing pretty well, yeah, but he isn't." You know, he hasn't locked himself in anything. Caleb Jones hasn't locked himself in. The Hawks have like 152 defensemen. You got to get them all in. You got to give them all a fair chance. And it can't be just based on age and seniority. That doesn't make any sense. And it's funny because Derek King talked about, you know, he was asked what Caleb Jones after the game. And, and he's like, well, the one thing is, you know, to be fair to him, he's been in and out of the lineup. And that's sometimes hard. And, and then, then he's also like, well, you know, with these chances with the guys out that he also needs to prove himself. And and I feel like Derek King, like he, 
Like he thinks like, you know, like he, he understands as a player that it's really difficult. And, and he's kind of talked about, you know, even with Dylan Strom, like we've heard him say like, well, you know, it only makes sense for him to play a top six role. And then Derek King on the ends up line. back on the, yeah. <laughs> so like, I, I think the, the challenge is, is it's like, it's the reality of it too. It's like, yeah, this is really tough. Uh, but this is the NHL, and 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 these are the circumstances, you know. Like it's the the reality is, if you're not performing, that uh, we're gonna put you, you know, either we're gonna make you scratch, we're gonna put you where where we need a hole, you know. Like we just need to plug a hole. So, I, I think that's gonna be the reality here for Caleb Jones. Like I wouldn't be surprised if Caleb Jones is is, is sitting next game with Seth Jones is back, and yeah. you know Gustafson is playing well, and Stillman probably deserves to stay in the lineup, and um, you know. Gelvis went back to Rockford, but if everyone's healthy, I mean, Caleb Jones is probably the odd man out. You, you mentioned Marcus Kruger, and I, um, you know, when we were doing the... Uh, Your eyes always light up when I mention Marcus Kruger. Well, no, just it's funny because we're obviously we were doing the podcast, and when, when when I was, I had emailed Marcus Kruger about for the Andrew Shaw story that he mentioned that he... Uh, that, he, that he, he listens to Laz and Powers and that's how he keeps <laughs> up with the team sometimes. So I just, uh, yeah, it was, it's, uh, it was amusing just to think of Hi, Marcus Marcus, Kruger, Marcus in, Sw- in Switzerland <laughs> listening to our show. So. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. So let's talk um, about last night's game a little bit. We, you know, obviously they, they lost to Seattle, which had lost nine games in a row. That's not great. Now it happened in a shootout, which is not hockey. So it's hard to get too worked up about it. But that was a game that Marc-Andre Fleury stole a point. I mean, it's not like they played well enough to win that game. They were pretty awful for most of the game that's the most high danger chances they've given up overall in a game all season and i guess my question you were there watching it in person i'm watching it on my recliner with my kids climbing over me trying to get to the to play animal crossing but how much of it i i i I hate making excuses but that was a bullshit trip i mean when you're flying out there for you know four hours for one game it's a matinee game on the west coast which kind of which does mess i mean we've all seen the stories of like you know when uh, NFL teams have to come east or go all the way west and how they can't handle those early starts. And um, also, you don't have Seth Jones. You don't have Kirby Doc. I mean, at what point do we just kind of say, yeah, you know what, whatever? Or is it like, are all the good vibes from that four-game win streak, which was like, uh, admittedly against weaker competition, is that all out the window? Or is that something you just kind of like, hey, you know what, got a point. Run away, be happy with it. Yeah, and, and it's, I almost thought, you know, you considering how they well they were playing, and, and even the Anaheim game was, was pretty kind of, you know, like it was very – high event and and but but they would win in games so like i my thought was maybe stick with the same lineup you know and i and i get that bringing reichel playing reichel another game wasn't the plan but if you play him on one road game and then send him back to rockford like it doesn't alter uh and, and maybe play galvis game and give mccabe and more time like mccabe just came out of the covert protocol and that was his first game and um you know he he made a mistake on the second goal and he and he, he said he, you know he like he he owned up to that but he also you know he said he for the most part he felt better as the game went along and it wasn't too fatigued but like i, I don't know it just it would 
like there was such a mentality at least i guess obviously we were wondering when the blackhawks were good that quinville would never mess with the lineup when they're winning you know and the lineup just seems like it's getting switched all the time and well that's partly because of covid i mean there's there's oh yeah yeah for sure there's certainly extenuating circumstances but they just they removed their their who the the reichel who was playing the top center you know like and you and, and Reichel and, and Galvis is playing major minutes, and I get that McCabe's healthy, but yeah, I don't know. I, I thought maybe you stick with that for one more game, but yeah, I, I don't know how much to read into it. Like, the, we've seen the Blackhawks, you know, play like that at times this season. Um, you know, Derek King thought the team was tired, and, and that it's certainly, it's been a lot of games, and there's guys been in COVID, and, um, <clears throat> you know, like there's all these extenuating circumstances. So, yeah, well, I guess I guess we'll see, right? Like we'll see what, the, what we'll see what the Blackhawks are like later this week. This is a this is a good test. They play Minnesota back to back. Minnesota's really good. Uh, two important central games. Like if the Blackhawks win those two games, you know, like maybe you can talk a little bit more that they're building building momentum. But um, it, it's been you know like it's been the losing streak and then the winning streak and then you see the Seattle game and now they have some time to rest and kind of uh, you know I, I think by by the end of the week most of the guys you would think are out of COVID protocol and everyone's kind of caught up and. Um, I'm sure they'll go hard on practice on Thursday and just guys get, get back up to speed. But um, yeah, Man, I don't know. What, I, what I don't a world know what to take. What a world we live in where the Minnesota Wild are the good team and the Blackhawks are the team just trying to get momentum by beating up Big Brother like that. Like, man. For the first, our first few years in the beat, the Wild were like the just like you was like oh the poor widow Wild. Now like they're like a really good team with one of the best players in the league in Kaprizov. They're fun to watch. The Minnesota Wild are fun to watch, Scott. If that's yeah. not a sign of the apocalypse, I don't know what is. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Ryan Harbin's had such an incredible season too. Oh my god, he had like 15 goals in the first month of the year. I was like, yeah, well, he was. I mean, probably slowed down a little bit. Huh? He has, but I mean, he was a first round pick. I mean, this guy obviously had some talent. Now the Blackhawks loved picking hometown guys a little early, but uh, he's turned into a he never really solid this kind NHL of potential, player. though. You know, yeah, yeah. No, this is. Yeah. And, and I, I remember asking someone about Hartman even this season. It's like, did you guys foresee this? And they're like, well, ultimately, he played for three other teams before he like he went to Nashville and then he went yeah. to. We went somewhere else before Dallas. Was it Dallas? <laughs> yeah, I yeah. I don't but like, yeah, it was, it was basically like the the source said that you know they like they felt at the time that they were worried that Hartman was never going to get over taking those dumb penalties. They, they they were concerned that like his like his ceiling was being met pretty quickly. In Philadelphia. Gonna, it was Philadelphia that he was going to kind of run himself out of league. And and it seems like Hartman's kind of grown up, and he's you know like he's uh, like he had opportunities to play with like he was playing with Schmaltz and yeah. and Kane for there for a stretch. Remember, like they. Like Kane had picked out his line mates basically, and then they were all all gone. He he scored 19 goals his first full season in the NHL. I mean, he was a good player. He was the yeah. first player to be the next Andrew Shaw. We've gone through like 50 of them since then, but he was going to be that that scrappy guy who can score 15 to 20 goals and will take stupid penalties in the offensive zone. That was Ryan Hartman. Like we we all yeah. wrote the Ryan Hartman is the new Andrew Shaw story. Then it became a couple other guys over the time. Now it's Brandon Hagel's kind of Shaw, but with more skill. We were always looking for that next guy, and that's what he is. He's this kind of agitating force, but he's got skill. I mean, he's not quite Brad Marchand, but Brad Marchand wasn't Brad Marchand for a while. Now, all of a sudden, he's like almost, he's got 30 points uh, in 35 games, 16 goals. He's starting to look like a real good player, the kind of player the Blackhawks always envisioned. And he's only 27. I mean, as a forward, he's still kind of in those prime years. So uh, I'm, I'm happy for him. He's always, a guy, he's always a likable guy. He's fun to watch. He was a good quote. He was always available to talk to. I mean, it, it, it's, you know... Good for him. He's on a good team, playing a big role, and uh, kind of realizing his potential. You like to see that out of guys. Yeah, you know him and Vinny, yeah. Vinny and Astros are two guys that have you know like like ultimately if those were depth pieces or pieces like they they would have like I think at one point I mean they were looking at those two guys to be you know part of the long term picture and the, and they moved on and and Astros obviously came back last season but 
Um, yeah, they both had solid careers, and certainly Hartman's been putting it together. And, and Hartman's only making – he's $1.7 million for the next three years. I mean, what a steal that's going to prove to be. Yeah. If you had Teravainen <laughs> and Hartman and Hinnestrosa. I wrote that story once. What, 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 what if you didn't do all of those things? <laughs> what, what this team looked like? Um, the other – I was going to – Scott Wheeler had his podcast – or his um, prospect rankings, and um, uh, and I think the Blackhawks yeah. were 25th in, in – and it was basically Reichel, and there was a lot of guys. I was surprised they were so good, Frank. I thought they were going to be like much closer to the bottom, but I guess Reichel kind of gives them a bump over some others. Yeah, he, I think he said he was the best. Like he had hit Reichel as the second best prospect uh, so far in the rankings. Like you know, when they looked at potential pieces, and there was someone else, maybe it was with Seattle, when their prospects were pretty good. But he also felt like the Blackhawks had a lot of a depth, you know, potential depth, you know, NHLers, and and they probably do having some defensemen and stuff, and. Um, and, and, and then that list, he didn't have Galvis, which in, and and I mean, when you look at Bodan and Mitchell and a lot of the players, Galvis hasn't popped. And, and we were talking about it the other day and just how Galvis was intriguing because he played pro hockey, you know, for since he was like 17, 18 years old and, and, and uh, you know, playing, played, it was a defensive partner with his dad in, in the Czech Republic. And then, um, and then he played in Finland, and he played for a really bad team in Finland. But he, you know, he looked like there was something, and he came over here and he looked pretty good in camp. And um, yeah, like it's just it, it's really interesting because I think there's, I think they have a lot of defensemen that can play. And and there was a bunch of you know, Del Mastro was on that list, and White Kaiser, and um, you know, like Ian Mitchell's Alex better Plastic's since he's come there, up. Yeah. I don't think he's the prospect. They, well, it, yeah. You know, and Mitchell was too old for that list, but I mean, there's and and, and I think he had Bodan number two and. Um, I, I get why a lot of people still point to Bodan, but it's, you know, uh, obviously I don't think the organization has that same mentality where he hasn't been playing as large a role in Rockford. And, uh, you know, like he, I mean, he, he, what he played one game with the Blackhawks and he basically sat the bench the entire time as a defenseman. I'm always fascinated by the prospect, you know, the, the, the perspectives on the prospects, especially when you go from the national guy's perspective on the prospects to the local guys. I mean, obviously we are honed in, especially you on Chicago's prospects. You talk to people all the time about them. You watch Rockford Icehawks games. These national guys are so deeply plugged into all this talent before they're drafted. And I want, and this, and I don't mean this as a knock on Scott Wheeler. He's, he can, he can talk, uh, you know, deeply about like 700 people that I've never heard of. It's an incredible what he and Corey Proman and some of these guys are able to do. But I wonder how much of that early hype colors their view more than the current situation colors our view. Like we're looking at this harshly and realistically, like this guy isn't panning out right now. Whereas a national guy's like, I saw this guy for years coming up and he's got those skills. I still believe those skills can translate. Yeah. And it's interesting because our view, it, it tends to be skew- colored by the team's view, right? You know, the team is down on Nicholas Bodan right now. So kind of we're down on them. Like we don't think he's a big piece of the puzzle necessarily because the team doesn't. But people outside the organization go, that's a guy with a lot of skill that should be a big piece of the puzzle. I'm always fascinated by the dynamic between, you know, the hyper local and the national perspectives on these guys because frankly none of us knows what these guys can do in a if they're given a real chance in a major role on a team in the NHL or if you put them on a good team again the Gustav Forsling conundrum where he wasn't very good here for a while you put him on a good team and he's pretty darn good so it's so hard to project these guys it's 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 like forecasting the weather you might be right 64 percent and is that enough or is that not enough? And is that like good enough? Like this guy turned out, I thought he was going to be great. He turned out to be pretty good. Kirby Doc, we thought he was going to be great. What if he's pretty good? Like how do you how do you assess your success rate on that? It's it's always it's always interesting talking about prospects because it's just we're all 
sort of throwing shit against the wall, hoping it'll stick. Well, I, I feel like it's it has to be such like a case by case example, and then everyone's you know with with Lucas Reichel, everyone's like, well, the Blackhawks messed this up and messed that up, and and, and that's true. Like they, I, I think you know, Boquist certainly needed more time in Rockford. I think Kirby Dock could have benefited benefited from another year in junior. Like there's yeah, there's cases, but there's also like. The Blackhawks, I thought they treated Alex DeBrin correctly. Like he was yep. ready to go after a year junior, and they and they brought him up, and he was, you know, he flourished. And um, you know, the, you haven't seen a lot of players like Lucas Reichel uh, produce the way he has in Rockford. And it's not like they've just given him a few games; they gave him twenty games. Like this was sort of, I think this was Stan Bowman's. You know, like the fact that they signed Lucas Reichel, there was, and and, and part of it was, I'm sure the Blackhawks. I've seen vision themselves having a better season where Lucas Reichel's like if they're winning, maybe, you know, having burning that year is not as as a big of a deal. But um, I, I think it has to be so like Bod- Bodan has like he thinks the game at a high level. He obviously has some offensive skill. And we've we've seen that even at the NHL level. But we also saw him struggle like he got he got a pretty long leash last season under Carlton in that development season. And there were times where he was just overwhelmed by four checks and, you know, just, um, you know, like in Rockford, he struggled at times, even, you know, like his passing and, and the way that he, you know, exit the zone, like all those were considered his strengths. And at times he struggled with that in Rockford too. So I think it's, it's a guy that, you know, like he has a chance. I got as a number two prospect, maybe, maybe not right now, but like, could he, you know, he again. He's what twenty one, twenty two years old. Like right, he can, right. he may still figure it out. Like like Forsling, like before he had that season in Florida last year. Like he spent a whole team, whole season in the AHL with, uh, 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 with uh, with Carolina. Like he, like it just it, sometimes these guys just need longer. You know, defensemen in particular. Yeah, yeah. Everyone's development is so different. So I think that's what's really interesting. Because I think the Blackhawks, the way that they're structured, even. Um, you know, having signed Jones, McCabe, and and now you have Stillman and Murphy, and you have all these guys um, in, in the mix that they they can be really patient with a lot of these defensemen with Isaac Phillips and and Alec Regula, guys who've who've shown pretty good signs of development. But you can be extra patient with them and and give them that. Um, yeah, and and you'd probably be saying the same thing about Reichel if the Blackhawks weren't so you know offensively deficient at this right, point. Right. Like they, you know, like he he comes up and makes a difference. So. Um, yeah, I, 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 you know, like I'm sure they re-sign Bodan and, and they keep him in the mix, and you just you just wait and see if it clicks. Like he's not an awful player; he just he's not what you envision as a first rounder. So it'll, uh, I, I think, the coming years will be interesting with a lot of those guys. But it's it's hard when they just it's people use examples like, well, the Blackhawks messed this up and messed that up, so right. this is how they should treat that. And I don't know if that's necessarily always the way it should be. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. All right. Well, we got a bunch of uh, listener questions, so let's dive into some of those. Uh, Madeline Rule asks, our thoughts on not testing asymptomatic players? That news came out this morning. Uh, Frank Saravalli, Emily Kaplan, Pierre Lebrun all reporting that the league is going to stop testing uh, asymptomatic players for COVID. I think right out of the all-star break is when they're going to stop doing that. Now, I- I'm torn on this because I've been wondering this myself since the start of, of, the, of you know, the season. It's like, you know, I, I think it's the NFL hasn't been testing asymptomatic players. Like, why are you testing asymptomatic players? It's just you're looking for COVID. And so, well, then I talked to an epidemiologist about it for a story last month. He said, you have to test asymptomatic players. Otherwise, it's just going to keep spreading and you're going to have more symptomatic players. So I, I'm kind of torn on this. I mean, this is clearly 
I think the league is like, well, shit, like 90% of the team, the league has had COVID by now. Let's all just move on with our lives. And I get that inclination. I fully understand it. I'm not sure the science, uh, uh, backs them up on this decision, but, uh, they're, they're a billion dollar business that's trying to get through the season. And if you stop testing asymptomatic players, you're going to have a lot fewer positive cases. So I guess, you know, it is what it is. Yeah. And, and there, then there's going to be some honesty with players and stuff like, ah, oh, you know, I'm feeling yeah. something like let's, let's test me, you know, like, I, yeah. I mean, if a guy has a stuffy nose, you think he's going to tell the trainer, Hey, by the way, I got a stuffy nose. You should test me for COVID. No, these guys don't even like telling when they have concussion sy- symptoms. I mean, it, it, I don't know. It, it, yeah. We're, we're going to be I feel dealing like this with this is more. the league. Yeah. I, 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 yeah, I feel like this is going to eventually be the case. Like eventually as a society, we need to figure out some things and decide what we're going to do. But this feels a little bit early and this feels like the, you know, like the league being like, let's, let's find a way to get through this season. Right. This probably makes it because once they the get through sense. this, uh, this Olympic break, which is going to be rescheduled with all these games, they're not going to have slots to put games. So they're really trying hard not to have any more games postponed. And the easiest way to do that is to stop testing guys. <laughs> yeah. Here we go. Riley asks, if the Blackhawks pull together a string of wins over this difficult stretch coming up, do you see them trading for a wing or any other help or just let this group run with This is the first optimistic, positive question I think we've had since the season began. So thank you, Riley, for bringing a ray of sunshine into our lives. Um, I can't imagine any situation, not to shit all over it now, but any situation where the Blackhawks are buyers in any way. I mean, I I think you're always looking, you're, you're always open to the idea of bringing in a guy with some term. Uh, if you think that they can help you in the future and if there's like a trade to be, if there's a hockey trade to be made, sure. But it's not like the Blackhawks are going to give up any assets to improve their current situation this season. Well, And, and they sort of did that with Lafferty. I mean, Lafferty stepped in and yeah. he's, I think he's looked solid, you know, like he he's, did. Yeah. I think he's a bottom six center and he's kind of lived up the hype and there's a little, you know, like there's some speed and potential offense there. I don't, I don't know if he's here beyond the season. We'll see. But I think that was basically a hockey trade where they, um, you know, like they were done with Nylander and they brought someone on that fits a role. And um, so, yeah, and, and and ultimately, I guess if they get back into it, like you, you look at Reichel again, right? Like that's your that, that's your, your piece where you have someone that can come up and probably contribute. So um, if something were to click, I think there'd be a little bit more pressure on them to, you know, to push Reichel and accelerate him because, um, I, I mean, it comes down to the Kane and Tave question again, like how much longer do they have and, you know, with this organization and a chance to, have any sort of success, but again, it, it, it they really need to win some games here to really right. be, for this to be the realistic. Aaron Schweitzer uh, with an interesting COVID question. Seems up until re- very recently, the Hawks hadn't been as affected by COVID as other teams. Is there a reason for that, or just dumb luck? Um, I think it's almost bad luck because the teams that got just ravaged by COVID, other than like the Islanders, really early before they started postponing games, they just got all their games postponed. The Hawks have had several key players in COVID n- protocol now for a long time and haven't had any of those games really postponed as a result. So they have to go to Seattle without Seth Jones and Kirby Doc and Dylan Strom. And, you know, before that, Jake McCabe. And they have to play these games because they don't have quite enough COVID to get a game postponed. So it's almost been bad luck that they've been able to keep it thin for a little while here. But what's going to be interesting now is all those guys that came down with COVID in October, like Patrick Kane, who missed a bunch of games in late October, they're – you know, again, I'm not, don't I'm not a scientist. I just play one on a podcast. But like their immu- their natural immunity is going to start waning pretty soon, and it's conceivable that they can test positive again now that they're going to be three, four, five months out from that. So it could happen that those guys that got it early could get it again. So I'm not sure it's really dumb luck. It might be dumb bad luck that the Hawks have spread out their COVID so much because they're being affected by it constantly. 
But but the, now the system is, is set up for a player to you know like if he's asymptomatic like well if he's asymptomatic he, yeah yeah <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe <laughs> never know so um, this question is from uh, Tom Vosicki if uh, if Taves and Kane were free agents looking for a four or five year deal what would those contracts look like money wise in the market right now you, I, I know you're actually going to write about this a little bit so we don't want to want to give up a whole lot but um, I know you've been digging around about Kane and Taves, so maybe we'll maybe we'll just tease tease what you're. Well, I don't I I don't know what they would make. It's an interesting question because like Kane is still an elite player. I mean, he's struggling this year, and he's still a point a game guy. So Kane on the open market is still going to be God, what a nine million dollar guy. Like I, I don't think he makes another eight figure salary, but he or but he's probably still in that eight and a half nine million dollar range, right? If he's getting a four or five year deal somewhere. Like if Kane wanted to do this like fun, like if he wanted to be an NBA player, he'd just go sign seven, eight million dollars for you know like one year deals and just bounce around and, and just try to win. Cups, and, yeah, and talk, yeah, like this is you know you can you can do a NBA type thing here and um and, and he's certainly you know like he's financially set you know like maybe that maybe that intrigues him I don't know but he, he's a more play, fast yeah. He was going to say maybe he can just go play with all the different guys that he enjoys playing with around the league. <laughs> get, get a year with Austin Matthews, a year with Matt Barzell. Yeah. Yeah. But Taves is an interesting one because, you know, a month ago we would have said, well, God, he, like, he'd get maybe a few million for a team that's looking for like a depth guy that can bring some character and leadership. But he's looked really, really good these last few weeks. Like he's looking like Jonathan Taves again. And that doesn't mean he's going to get $10 million again. But if he's playing like this for the next year and a half, he's still going to get paid at 35 years old. Uh, whether it's by the Blackhawks or by a, another team that wants Jonathan freaking Taves. Yeah, these I mean, are hockey GMs who value leadership. Oh, God. In, 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 Can you imagine? In, I mean, he's he is, he is like a Canadian darling, too. I mean, just imagine, you know, adding Jonathan Taves to your team. So th- they're still worth a lot of money. They're not worth what they're getting now. I don't think either of them is really a $10.5 million player the way they're playing. But they are still guys that have a lot of – a, they sell tickets. B, they are playoff performers, and you know they haven't. We haven't got to see them in the playoffs in quite some time, but we know that they can do in the playoffs. If they ever got to the open market, which I'm not convinced they ever will, they would get paid pretty, pretty damn well. It was. Uh, it, it's interesting. Like uh, with the black, like they, they're only going to get one All Star player, you know, because you know, like they yeah, Seth, that, that, that just that's how Seth Jones did not get Nazem Kadri in Colorado. He got the Central Division yeah. spot, so. Yeah, it was, it's, it's, like, it doesn't feel like the, like, the Blackhawks back in the day, they had the juice, like, they would have, whoever was up for the Blackhawks would have got voted in, you know, like, it's, um, and it's also strange, because I, Kane just, I mean, everything, that, even with the Brinkett's created, like, a lot of it's just been primary assists by Kane, and, um, like, I feel like Kane's still playing at a high level, just, it's, uh, and he's probably not that far from an all-star, at least offensively, yeah. oh, he's know? still really good. <laughs> yeah, um, but, uh. Yeah, it, it's it'll be interesting. Like the whole Canyon Taves thing, it's 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 going to be interesting as as you know as they're able to re-sign potentially this summer, and then and then how that plays out. Um, from Eric Andrews, can you unpack the topic of trading Flurry at the deadline? Would he be willing to accept the trade? What would the realistic return be? Have you heard any rumblings uh, with the organization respect his wishes if he doesn't want to be traded? Any chance of him staying and re-signing? Well, he's got a 10-team, I believe, no-trade yeah, clause, so yeah, he does have some authority over it. And this is the big question. I've been asking around a lot about this lately because, you know, the assumption is that, of course, you're going to trade him. Why wouldn't you trade him? He's your best trade chip, and you're desperate to recover a first-round pick. But there's so many, you know, moving parts about trading a goalie. It's really hard to trade a goalie. Most teams that are good don't need a goalie, um, though I am looking at you, Edmonton, maybe Washington. 
Um, there's the whole factor of whether Flurry wants to uproot or be separated from his family again. There's, there's a lot of pieces that go into this, and I don't think we have any answers yet. So, I mean, with two months out before the deadline, these are the questions that are going to need to be answered soon. Because Flurry is the, the, the biggest chip that the Blackhawks have. And they are desperate to recoup that first round pick. And if he's not a part of the future, then they have to move him. And, and I, I saw this on Twitter today when I, I you know, my story last night, I mentioned that there, there were some league sources who felt like a, like he could draw a first round pick. You know? The way like he's playing he, now, yeah. Um, and and it's, it's far enough out of the trade deadline where he might be intriguing for a team to have for like a 40 games. Uh, and, I, and I saw someone ask about the family thing, and I know that was a big factor coming here, but... Um, you know, he was about to go to the Olympics and and leave his family and 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 this is like there there's still plenty of season left but he's you know like his, his family settled in Chicago and, and if he gets traded somewhere like I don't necessarily know if he moves his family or right. he really uproots them and you know and maybe until their school's over or um so I don't I don't think it's much of a factor you know like it's either do you, do you want to stay here or or, or do you want to maybe go chase another cup for a handful of months and I and I think that might be intriguing for him where he's you know he's going to end up playing at least uh, you know 40 50 games in Chicago his family's you know, settled and going to schools and all those different things. So I, I don't know if that's as much of a factor as, you know, the thought of having to play a full year away from your family or, or having to uproot your family. So I, I don't think that's, uh, you know, like that comes into play as much as it did when when, when he was choosing whether he was going to come to Chicago or not. And finally, uh, Luke Matthew asks, uh, any updates on the GM search? Montreal hired one today and second interviews are being conducted for Vancouver and Anaheim. And, uh, yeah, we haven't really heard much about the Blackhawks. And I, I keep I have heard from some people that are interested in the job. And they're like, hey, have you heard anything? And I'm like, no, have you heard anything? And it's just the Blackhawks are doing this at a very deliberate pace. I know that's frustrating for fans who are seeing other candidates go off the board, but it's not like Kent Hughes was at the top of everyone's list. He's the new Montreal GM. Uh, I don't think anyone's too broken up about that. So uh, this this is what they're doing. They've got their consulting firm. They're trying to, you know, shift the paradigms and think outside the box and all that other stuff that corporate people love to talk about. And, you know, good, there's, it's like the Reichel thing. They're sticking to a plan here. Their plan is to take their time. Their plan is to let Derek King coach the rest of the year. Their plan is to give Kyle Davidson the keys for now until they can figure out what they want to do and how they want to structure hockey ops. And, you know, they're, they're doing their due diligence. And it's hard to complain too much about that. I know there's a sense of urgency among the fan base, but the team knows where it's at. They know that Urgency isn't the right word for right now. You need to think big picture because it's going to be bad for a while. So what they do this year or this offseason, if it takes that long, is going to affect that long-term timeline more than anything else. They're they're trying to do it right. Yeah. No, I, and, and that's what I, I, everything I've heard, too, is just about more of a patient approach. And they're they're willing to take their time because they know how vital this is to, you know, to the organization's future. So, um and again, I, I know it feels like other teams, other teams have hired people and, and um, when you look at where the season is for the Blackhawks, the fact they aren't even have the halfway market still, like there's, uh, I think ideally the Blackhawks, like, unless they target someone that's you know like that's more of an off season hire, I, I think that there's still time here where they you know they start narrowing it down and maybe they have some interviews and and something can unfold before the season. Like I think you still want to give uh, your next you know president of hockey ops or GM some runway to before the draft and free agency just to kind of evaluate it because as much as the Blackhawks are evaluating whomever um you know the candidates like unless unless it's someone that's already internal like it's going to take someone a little bit of time to kind of get up to speed and and you know like do their own evaluation of, of where the team is and the different sections and who you know like there's um who regardless of whoever comes in or you know like I think they'd want to make some changes around the organization you know like bring in some of their own people or or just change how things are, are done um, so yeah, it'll be interesting, but I, yeah, it's, 
I, I guess it, you know the fact it's January and, and there still is a bunch of time. Like I, I don't think it's like panic mode considering where the Blackhawks yeah. are with the season. So, um, what uh, we we got? Yeah, the wild games is the two two Minnesota games, and then yep. uh, it's uh, yeah, it's not too far until the uh, that. I don't. Yeah, I guess we'll know soon about what the actual schedule is. In February. Yeah, we're supposed to know probably by tomorrow or Thursday what that schedule is going to look like. And uh, the Hawks are, are fortunate in that most of their post postponed games were home games. So it'll be easier on them than it will be on some teams. Uh, they have to figure out that Edmonton game that was uh, that was postponed. But beyond that, uh, they, they, they I'm, I'm hoping we see some double headers with the Bulls. Wouldn't that be sweet? Yeah, like no, that'd be like the sure. old days, like a Saturday Saturday matinee followed by a primetime Bulls game or vice versa. Let's do that. Maybe we can stick around and watch that too. Hell yeah, yeah, we can. We can kick us out. Come on, I'm working here. <laughs> um, so yeah, we'll be back at this. Uh... Yeah, I guess after the Minnesota games, we'll evaluate those, and hopefully, there's more news. And you got uh, you get yeah, you know, kind of a, as time goes on here, we'll have more updates on trade stuff, and and we're getting there. Fans always, yeah, it's, it's still a little bit of ways, but we we got some news. So Mark will deliver that tomorrow, and uh, yeah, we'll be back with Laz and Powers uh, next week for so for Mark Lazarus, I am Scott Powers, and this is Laz and Powers, and we'll talk to you soon. And I know that I can fix it. I can help even just a little bit Won't you let me try Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic.